Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share a little word with you from our sponsors, Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the United States? At Odds Crowds, our friends are challenging you to prove it this fantasy season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contests. One of my favorite things to do is be betting and not actually have to lose any actual cash. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs, both season-long and weekly contests on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place risk-free fantasy bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick tracking app. The most profitable players are rising up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, you can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, and set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com. Yet another fantastic episode of Rookie on the Rise. Ladies, gentlemen, dogs, cats, aliens, we know you're out there. How are we doing today, my friends? Just excited to be back in your eardrums. It's been a very hectic month for me, month and a half, and I'm just beyond ecstatic to be back doing what I love, which is basically talking about rookies with y'all. And I brought on my co-host from the Debbie Summit my second liege, I don't know the right terminology here, but basically we're going to talk with a really cool dude. You find him on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. You write for Fantasy Pros. He does podcasts and rankings with the rookie big board, which is how he was able to join me on the Debbie Summit, which you guys missed out. If you didn't if you didn't catch it, you can definitely catch it, I believe, on everyone's YouTube pages. We'll link later in the show. And you also contribute to the Revy Royale. Anthony, how the hell are you doing, my friend? Good man, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to join you and excited to chop up a couple uh, pretty interesting rookies. We got an exciting couple guys to talk about tonight. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. But as always, we got to get into the person aspect, the intersection between human and analyst that morph us into these like fantasy machine dudes. So, uh, Anthony, what do you feel like your weirdest trait as a human? What do you feel like your weirdest trait is as a human? I feel like. I thought about this for so long and then I started realizing like, ah, that means I probably have a large number of strange traits <laughs> because it wasn't like one thing that came to me quick, but one thing stood out among, or stood out like over and above the rest. And it was, I have, it's not even fair to call this a pet peeve, but it's like an absolute, I detest this. It's, I don't even know if it's fair to call it like a noise or a thing that happens, but if you're, this is like, if I do it, accidentally on my own or if I am sitting next to somebody who happens to do it if somebody's like say eating dinner with a fork and goes to eat it and like it the fork touches their teeth or like the fork touches my own teeth like unintentionally while I eat it 
it, I feel like it sends shockwaves oh, through my whole body. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. So I don't know if everybody feels this way, but it's always something that like, I feel like I overreact to it all the time and I'll see people next to me be like, Oh, it's not that big a deal, but yeah. No, it is that, so. awful. <laughs> terrible. Feels awful. Like, it looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn. Yeah, no, I'm totally get that. I'm totally with you. And as always, let's get started on the rookies. I hope that came through because I was really hoping to be louder and it failed. Uh, it's just soda water, kids. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about two rookies. We've talked about Tyrion Davis-Price and Brian Robinson, which was somehow made sexy things to Kevin. Big shout out to you. We've talked about Chris Olave and Sky Moore. We talked about Isaiah Spiller. Or no, what the hell we talk about? We talked about another great couple players that I'm just not remembering right now. We're going to talk about the, like, Back end of the first tier of the wide receivers of this class, Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams. Now, I did some very in-depth, like, low-key Insta-stalking, Facebook-stalking, Twitter-stalking, I guess Twitter-stalking, and I've come to find out, Anthony, that your wide receiver one is indeed Garrett Wilson. So I thought, what better way than to start off this brief overview of Garrett Wilson than with the, the Stan himself? So please, what is your elevator pitch for Garrett Wilson? Man, I love this guy. And all right, like full cards on the table time. Like I am a Jets fan, but Garrett Wilson was wide receiver one for me prior to being selected by the Jets. Uh, And mostly for me, it's that I think he is kind of tailor-made for the NFL in 2022. I think um, he can win at all three levels of the field. He's good in yards after catch. He's better in contested catch than his size would suggest. Uh, he can really do it all. I think he's somebody that can slot in pretty easily and be like a quote unquote number one wide receiver without, you know, lacking that alpha size, like despite not being, you know, the biggest guy on the field. Uh, I think he plays way bigger than that. And um, I think he's athletic. I think he's good in yards after catch. I think he's a great route runner. There's not a lot about him that I don't like. Um, and I know it, maybe it's not fair to say that he doesn't have the same upside as some other guys in the class do. Uh, I think the upside is good, but I think he's a guy that is ready to go from day one and can come in and, you know, threaten for a hundred targets or a hundred plus targets, uh, even as a rookie. I mean, and the, the nice thing about Garrett Wilson is that you're really walking into a very open wide receiver room. You got Elijah Moore that came on hot and caught fire for like, I think four or six games and had a really nice pace there, but we still don't know that he's going to be this just like out secondary alpha on the team we think he will sure and we have an idea that he's going to be very usable in fantasy but we don't know exactly what target share he's going to demand and we also don't know about zach wilson we don't know how Brees hall is going to play and we don't know what fucking tight end they're going to even start is it uzama is it conklin <laughs> is it uh who did they draft jeremy rucker i don't know <laughs> but what we do know is that garrett wilson was really fucking good at ohio state early declare which we love being an analytic guru Ew, guru, that's not what I want to send. Analytic Stan. He had a receiving yards per team attempt at career average of two, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Broke out his sophomore season with a 30% dominator rating, which is great. I mean, really, what we're talking about here for Garrett Wilson is what is his ceiling? I think for me, the question I would, I'm really curious how you're going to answer, Anthony, is do you think that Garrett Wilson possesses a wide receiver one ceiling or do you think he's more of these this type of guy that is going to be 
just a perennial wide receiver two with like maybe a wide receiver 14 finish? So I think that's a really good question. Uh, and I just pulled up, I'm just pulling up now what my notes were from like the initial watch and like initial grading of Garrett Wilson. And uh, I think it's funny you say that because the first, literally the first note on the page that I have is wide receiver one skill set. So I guess that's kind Woo! of a cop out, right? Like, do I think he has a wide receiver one ceiling? Yeah, I really do. Uh, I think he can come in and b- realize that potential pretty quickly. I'm looking real quick to see where I have him ranked. I have him right now ranked like overall in dynasty rankings as wide receiver 16. So that's before getting on the field at all. Uh, I think he's somebody that can be like a middle middle of the road wide receiver two for you this year and be somebody that is valued pretty consistently uh, in the top 12 a year from now, you know, ahead of the 2023 season. Okay. Okay. Kind of similar to how, like, uh, like we saw with Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Like Waddle, obviously somebody I thought really highly of last year too. And now is like, you know, he had that weird kind of roller coaster where he flew up rankings after last year, then Tyreek Hill. And now he's falling back down a little bit, but still a guy that's ranked like a wide receiver one. So I think uh, Garrett Wilson could kind of see that same sort of valuation process. Okay, absolutely. What about his profile kind of lends you being confident that he's going to be able to kind of elevate in that offense? Because, I mean, traditionally, when we're talking about this alpha players, the, the alpha on the team, they're going to be commanded like a 25% target share, right? The second... Wide receivers in like 20 to 18 percent, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this offense is packed and clearly ready to go being a high pace offense, which is kind of weird with Salah as their head coach. You would think more defensive minded. So, does it concern you at all that you think that they're going to be a bit more run heavy, uh, just given the fact that defensive coaches inherently like to run more to protect the defense? Or, and also, do you think that Garrett Wilson, like, what are your biggest concerns with him? So my biggest concern, I think, um, would be twofold. First, to kind of touch on what you said, is I do think the Jets want to run the hell out of the ball. Like, I think they absolutely want to run the hell out of the ball with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Like, I think Brees Hall will be the guy, but I still think Michael Carter will be involved. Um, The other thing is, I'm a believer in Zach Wilson, but we're hoping for the the, the second year step, right? Like, we haven't seen it yet, so that could be detrimental as well. The one thing I will say, even though I expect them to run the hell out of the ball, is that uh, Mike LaFleur showed last year that he's a, a bit of a madman. Like, he went deep into the bag in some of these play calls. And I think what they will love is that they can be pretty multiple with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys kind of move all over the place. And they, the coaching staff with the Jets last year was pretty loud consistently about, you know, them wanting their guys to be able to play inside, outside, kind of all three positions. Um, The other thing is, last year was a disappointment, but they can get out of the Corey Davis contract very easily after this year. This is the last year with any real significant money tied up guarantee-wise. And not to mention the fact that you're looking at, in terms of vacated targets, Crowder's gone, right? That was 71 targets a year ago. Keelan Cole's gone. That was 51 targets a year ago somehow. That's kind of surprising. And then, you know, the tight end targets, whatever, because like you said, we'll have to figure out which tight end is going to be getting targeted at all this year. But I still think there's enough opportunity that even if they want to run the ball a pretty significant amount, uh, that Wilson should be able to... I'm not... I haven't done jet projections yet, and it's still early for that, and I don't think that he'll come out and have like a 
you know, a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson year where he goes absolutely bananas for like 1,400 yards or anything. But I think he's a guy that could, you know, threaten for 800, 900 yards in his rookie year uh, and then kind of take that next step, kind of like we're all hoping for the next step with Elijah Moore this year, uh, a year from now. How valuable is it for first-year production for wide receivers? Because I see a lot of people that are kind of wanting that early value bump in case they do indeed want to be flipping the players sooner than later. Because I feel like with Dynasty, instead of a three-year window, we're encroaching like a year-and-a-half window. The Dynasty manager starts yeah, starting so to like... true. It's very weird, and eventually you're going to jump the shark and see these guys having a two-year plan-out window, and they're just going to fucking dominate your league for four years afterwards. So, like, yep. for you, how important is it for, like, rookie wide receiver in your wide receiver production year one? So, for me, it's not, like, I don't need somebody to have, you know, that huge year like we just talked about with Jefferson and Jamar and, you know, or a 1,000 yards. Sure, that's great. But if a guy has, you know, I think context matters a lot, right? So, if a guy has five or 600 yards or 700 yards and looks really good, you know, flashes at times, like I'm not leaving that guy for dead. Now, if a guy comes out and falls flat on his face and has 150 yards, like I'm pretty out on Terrace Marshall this year, <laughs> despite being pretty in on him a year ago. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. And that's that to tie it back to the jets. That's like, uh, that's the lesson I learned from Denzel Mims, right? Like I held on to Denzel Mims too Oof. long. And <laughs> I'm terrified uh, of the same thing with Terrace Marshall. So the short answer to that is I think the context is key. And if a guy has like, Go back to, I don't have the number in front of me, but Brandon Ayuk in his rookie year, right? What did he have? Like 700-some yards receiving, or I think it was like 800-some yards receiving in his rookie season, and everybody loved him coming in the next year. And now everybody's kind of back out on him, but sort of back in on him. Um, so that's a roundabout way of, I want some production, but I don't need you know the Hall of Fame you know, crazy outlier production that we've kind of gotten spoiled with the last couple of years, I think. Yeah, I, I completely and totally get that. I think that's also fair. I mean, ultimately what it comes down to is you just want your wide, your wide receiver to take a hold of the opportunity given and do something with it. That's why we hate That's why we hate Terrace Marshall is because he did nothing with the opportunity given. He had like one glimpse where he broke free and then got caught from behind. Like, well, I guess he doesn't run a 4-3-3, so that's cool. Fuck me then. There goes all my fucking analysis. Wait! But so I get it, right? Garrett Wilson, you're hedging. It's 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 risky because there's a lot of things in motion. So law can be easily gone in a year or two from now. Zach Wilson is not in any way guaranteed to be the answer, and it could just come down to being just this very unproductive dumpster fire. Because if Zach Wilson is a Daniel Jones incarnate or a Mitch Trubisky, then the entire offense struggles because they may be passing a ton but those passing yards are hollow because they're in the least productive and efficient parts of the field, you know? So it's going to be very dependent on this offense to kind of give that Garrett Wilson bump year one. But I, I, I do agree. I think Garrett Wilson offers a fantastic floor for this year. If you need a rookie wide receiver that is, has wide receiver one upside and you want production year one, I think Garrett Wilson is probably one of the best bets to be giving you production this year for sure. And that segues rather nicely with Jamison Williams. Perfectly, honestly. Perfectly. Like, I, was, I was getting ready to say, well, that was beautiful. <laughs> and so Jamison Williams, <laughs> I mean, I, I everyone says he's a pup candidate. I don't see how he's not. He tore his ACL, what, like four months ago now? Yeah. And the NFL season starts in like three months, two months. 
usually you're looking like a six to nine month timetable before they're able to fully be able to, before it's fully healed and they're able to like build muscle around that. And that's not even just their mental. So, I mean, I think it's very likely we don't see James Williams step on the field to like week eight, week seven, week eight. I don't know when Detroit's buy is. So, how do you feel about Jamison Williams as a prospect? Where is he kind of ranked right now? What do you feel like his strengths are? So I I love the player, right? I, I absolutely love Jamison Williams. And I think like the injury sucks, man. It really does because it shouldn't like hamper or hinder your opinion of him in like any huge way, especially it's just kind of crappy luck, right? Like it, it sucks. None of us like it. Um, it matters a little bit. And I think it hurts him, especially in a class with some other really talented wide receivers. Um, so I think what you kind of alluded to in terms of like per- when we said perfect segue was, yeah, I think if you need in your rookie draft, uh, somebody to, to give you kind of that floor from a rookie wide receiver, Garrett Wilson's the guy, right? The upside swing, like a year from now, we could be set, you know, or even at the tail end of this season, like once he gets on the field, we could realistically be saying, oh, Jamison Williams is the best wide receiver from this draft class, right? Like the skill set is absolutely there. He is by far the most electric of the like highly touted rookie wide receivers, an absolute yak demon, like, and the best deep threat in the class, like very easily, not even uh, really that hard to call him that. The questions I like have surrounding him are I wonder if he will be a player that will the volume and efficiency be enough to like let him consistently be that guy that you can value like a back end wide receiver one or high end wide receiver two, whatever the case may be. Or is he always one of these guys that is uh, kind of better for the lions than he will be for your fantasy team. The other thing and not to, you know, try and flip this on you or become the host here, but I am curious what you think because this doesn't matter a whole ton to me. It matters, like, it's like a footnote. It matters a little bit. But does it matter to you a ton that we didn't get the breakout till he transferred, right? Like, does it matter to you that we didn't see it till he went to Bama? Because I know he's playing in a loaded room. Yeah. You know, he was behind some crowded guys at Ohio State, but, you know, JSN has the breakout with Olave no, and Wilson there. I, like, does that matter? I know you, you're, you're more analytics. I'm more film. So I'm curious what you think about that as well. No, I, I mean, it's – it's. I had Jamison Williams ranked first wide receiver in this class for a couple months. Um, and it was just basically like this guy's got one of the best ceilings in the class. Uh, and then I started to do better – and talk to some people that I trust on Drake London. I was like, you know what? I'm going to rank London ahead of Williams because I know that London's shown and been capable all three years of being productive, right? Like that is inherently valuable. Sure. So it's difficult because on one hand, I want to be like, it's really hard to trust a single year breakout. It's really tough to trust like these things because it's, you can look at JSN who drops massive schlong and outproduces the Olave and Wilson and his what, freshman sophomore season. Yeah. And so you're just like, okay, so that's what a fucking alpha is. But like we, sure. we know we don't have those wide receivers in this class. Like no one, we know we don't have a Jamar chase. We don't have a Justin Jefferson. Like that's not a, that's like, Yahoo! like we check in the box. Like surprise. There's no massive alphas. Like, Oh yeah. But we, we know that thing so much. So like it matters, 
But given the talent pro the, the talent of this class, like the profile of this class, like it matters less. If it came out two years ago, like, man, like I really like this guy, but I like these guys like I like Justin Jefferson more and CD Lamb because they are producing for all three years. And so I do think there is a inherent there's a couple of things that I really like about Jamison Williams, a couple of intangibles, a couple like tangible things. The first thing is that usually when you transfer, you don't see a lot of guys have this massive glow up. And so the fact that he not only transferred to a just as competitive team against really good against really good um, competition in a room that was already occupied by Slade Bolden and John Mechie. And it is, I mean, not that they're these perennial front running wide receivers, but it's very clear that NFL likes John Mechie. But the fact that he blows them out of the water and just was like, yo, what's up? Like, this is, I'm the captain now. Fuck off. I think that was really, really cool. And then also the fact that in the NFL draft, there are numerous teams trying to trade up to go and acquire him. I think that was a big indicator Mm -hmm. as well. So, I mean, I I have him ranked at wide receiver four because it's difficult for me to, actually, I think I'm a wide receiver three, just about Garrett Wilson, just because I think it's the perfect apex of, upside compared to safety and i think at that point i'm more willing to take a bet on upside but that is william's biggest weakness is we have one year of production and we have been burned many times by this and so it is very scary the good thing though is he goes to detroit who apparently brad holmes knows what the fuck he's doing if i was a detroit fan i'd be so happy like jared goff's not the future we know this fuck off if you think he is monroe st brown is a slot guy which is fine DJ Chark is a non-factor, and that's literally it. Like, don't miss me with the Quintez Cephas and the Khalif Raymond. I don't give a shit. Like, Swift and Hawkinson will get his. I think that Jamison Williams, I, the, the only true question is, is are they going to be able to acquire CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or Levi Lewis or uh, Levis, Will Levis, or whoever it is for quarterback three in 2023? Like, are they going to be able to get a quarterback or they have to go elsewhere, right? And then what does Dan Campbell want to do once he's not trying to pseudo lose games? But I think that the mm-hmm. talent is there and I think the opportunities going to be there for Jameis Williams to take advantage of it. I, I view him as like, it's a lazy comparison, but I view him as having like a Will Fuller, if Will Fuller played a full season forever and his hamstrings loved him, that's kind of how I view Jameis Williams. <laughs> so like, it's like a, it's like an alternate universe Will Fuller with Jameis Williams. And so if you, you're gonna have some bust. You're gonna have some down games because that's just sort of the prototype, the, the archetype. Oh yeah. But, but like he is going to give you weak winning fucking games, and I think that's inherently valuable. Yeah, and I mean, if you're playing, if you're playing dynasty best ball, he might be rookie wide receiver one, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, in all honesty, like there's a very strong argument out of him. If he didn't tear his ACL, I think there'd be a strong argument for being dynasty wide receiver one. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree with that. And I don't think we're far off with where we – because I have him post-draft. I had him rookie wide receiver four. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Without the injury, that that nerfed some of the hype coming yeah. in and, like, fair or unfair. But I agree that I think it's a positive that – I also don't think Detroit is, like, a terrible place no, period, for him spot. to land. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's – Good for him. I think it's fine for Amon Ra. Like, I don't think, I think they can coexist. And uh, in the short term, like, it doesn't feel good. And I agree that Goff is definitely not the future. But it doesn't feel good. But down the stretch, like, if Williams, you know, gets healthy and gets on the field, like, 
Goff's not great. Goff's not even good, really, but he's, he's capable. Least, yes, yes, he's capable. He's capable. It's not like we're going to have these questions of, you know, he's out there with CJ Beathard or, you yeah, know, no. somebody just a to- like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll see enough. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I agree, though. I, I like what Detroit is building overall as a team. Yeah, I'm so excited. They could be very excited uh, when they kind of drop that quarterback in there and have a pretty nice core built I, out around them already. I wish the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson or Brad Holmes. I, I, I swear to God. <laughs> I, I wish that yeah. happened because that's what we need is we need a GM that's competent and understands rebuilding. But so then the the crux of this situation truly comes down to, I mean, it, it's difficult because it's really easy to blanket say, well, this is what you need to do. But like with these two guys, they are offering such different dynamic profiles. And so it really comes down to like, what is your team need? If you yeah. are a contender, then I think we would both agree that you're going to lean Garrett Wilson because you're gar- you're not guaranteed, but you have a higher likelihood of getting 12 to 15 or 14 weeks of production from him, where Jamison Williams is like the perfect rebuild wide receiver to take. Yeah, for sure. Like if you're a year out or, you know, two seasons, a season or two out, Williams is the total home run swing. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And it, it really is a, an interesting conversation because I think these two kind of perfectly encapsulate like roster construct and context of your team because uh, we've touched on it a couple of times already, but um, there's arguments for these two guys and, you know, one or two others, depending on who you like best in this class of who you should take first. Um, Which is so for those reasons that we mentioned earlier. There, yeah, it really is. Like that was the the exciting swing part of, oh, we don't have a Jamar Chase or one of those guys. It's like, okay, well, we can all argue about which one of these four will be best a year from now. Exactly. Really, which one of these, like, five or six, right? Like, depending on how, how far down the list you want to go. No, yeah, because, I mean, like, and there's a couple realities where, like, these things are definitely happening and they're definitely realistic. I think from an analytic standpoint, you're going to like Garrett Wilson more than you're going to like Jamison Williams simply because you are going to have a better – you're going to have a better success looking at career averages rather than looking at um, looking at like season high, season season bests, right? So like if you look at like if you are evaluating a player based off their best season, then you're going to love Jamison Williams. 1,500 yards, 722 yards in yak. He had 9.3 yards per or yards after contact per reception, which was fucking insane. He had 2.73 yards per team pass down. Like the dude was insane. Truly insane. But like his overall peripherals as a receiver are poor because in Ohio State, he had less than 30 receptions in, in two, the both of seasons, right? So it's, it's not going to look as good as you want it to. But I think what it comes down to, like you said, Anthony, is just what do you need? I don't think you can go wrong here. I, I just, I have a really hard time going Garrett Wilson just because I tend to trust the Lions franchise over the Jets franchise. And Fair. and I just, there is no Elijah Moore that Jamison Williams has to compete with. I don't think TJ Hawkinson's going to be like a Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts type target mm-hmm. hog. And Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be like a fantastic high-end wide receiver, wide receiver three with a couple years sneaking into wide receiver two. And then Swift mm-hmm. is just sexy Swift. But yeah. like I, that, that's, that's it. And I just, I'm more comfortable taking a shot on that offense and 
hoping that they're able to tank enough games to to get C.J. Stroud or whoever they're able to get, although I, I did bet the Lions winning their division futures. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, so uh, between the two, are you are you still happy riding Garrett Wilson kind of in like a in a vacuum that never exists? Yeah. I would love to play in the vacuum just once. Like <laughs> play, right? play like in the where? vacuum. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm we're going to hash out those details, but we're going to start a vacuum league where everybody's just on equal footing. Um, yeah, Garrett Wilson is still wide receiver one for me. Uh, and I don't even think it's really a case of, you know, being locked into that take, uh, pre-draft. He's the guy I like the film most on. I like the landing spot. Um, I agree the dynamic, like seeing what that, you know, how it shakes out, uh, market share wise between him and Elijah Moore will be interesting and really important this year to see like an indicative of like future success for both of them. Um, but yeah, it's it's close, man. It really is. I think those top three or four guys, especially, depending on what you're looking for, are really, really close. But I have no issues at all if you are, you know, a year out or if you're going full teardown and rebuilding a roster or took over an orphan or something like that. I totally get, you know, taking uh, Jameson Williams ahead of him if you're swinging for future upside because I really do think, you know, 16, 18 months from now, we could be saying that was the right pick all along. Um, after we see this guy get on the field and what he's like, we saw what he's capable of at Alabama. And like you said, we don't see a lot of guys transfer and then go absolutely bananas the way that he did. Like, it wasn't like he transferred and, you know, was kind of good at one of the best programs in the country. He was absolutely dominant, like incredibly dominant. It would have been so much easier if he was just okay. Like all things, (laughs) oh my God, it made life so much easier if he's like, hey man, he had a thousand yards. Like he shared with the old John Mechie. He looked better than he did on this fat page because Mechie got injured earlier than him. But no, he just, he dominated the entire fucking season. You're like, oh my God, fuck it. Can you make this easy for me, Jameson? Fucking hell. (laughs) Also, if he doesn't get a, like a advertisement with Jameson Whiskey, then his PR agent needs to be fired immediately yeah i just let him get I, the jmo bag jesus please like this is just a match <laughs> made in fucking heaven it truly is so i think that's i mean once again we are giving you no answers yet yeah, all the answers is there is no correct answer <laughs> yeah. here like th- this isn't like tdp versus brian robinson this is just you need to take what's best for your team and, and here's a rule of thumb i'm, I'm curious how you kind of evaluate your team's based on if they have contender potential. If you don't know that you're a contender, if you look at your squad and you're like, you're not a contender. Yeah, you're like, man, <laughs> like it could happen. If there is an if in that thought process, you're not fucking doing it. And yeah. so don't be making these championship heavy hit and swing and moves based on a gut feel. Like you make your championship moves week 10 and 11. Don't mm-hmm. make them now. And also don't, I, I see a lot of people, they're like, I placed, I, I got, this is the highest points per, this is the highest scoring points team. I just got unlucky in the playoffs. I'm like, God, your, your roster fucking sucks. I'm sorry. But like the reason your highest points for is because last season was an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. Like it, you, we can't use that as a, as a, as a measure of your team's greatness. I'm sorry, but we can't. So like, don't get trapped in thinking that like the 2021 season is something that is going to be happening year in year out it was a very very arbitrage or a outlier of a season so i i we do have one more question and i'm really excited for this one anthony i'm I'm curious if you could give us your thoughts on the giants wide receiver room your your crosstown rivals 
Yeah, so I'm really interested to see how this all kind of shakes out for the Giants. I'm not really interested in any of, uh, you know, like a Sterling Shepard, yeah, like, you know, depth piece on a contending roster or whatever. I'm not really interested in Kenny Galladay. I just think, uh, you know, we've seen the best of Kenny Galladay with a, a quarterback substantially better than Daniel Jones. And um, it's kind of interesting with the two young guys because I was pretty out on Kadarius Tony a year ago. Um, wasn't somebody I was very high on. And I wasn't, like, notably high on Wandale Robinson, but I also didn't expect that early of draft capital for Wandale. Like, I, I thought he would go day two. Uh, I thought that would be, like, late round yeah. three. Going kind of early, yeah. mid-round two uh, shook things up a little bit for me. So I'm real John Mechie season, right? Like, John Mechie, area, John Mechie area for sure. Not fucking where he got taken. Like, what the fuck? And uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see what, like, what the end game is in terms of both using Tony and Wandale. Um, if I'm going to take any of them right now, it's going to be Wandale Robinson. I, I'm not a huge believer in Tony. Um, we ride boys. Kind of realizing Fuck that yes. potential. Uh, I, I don't think it's a great sign for Kadarius Tony that they, the wide receiver they invested fairly highly in this year, uh, I think can do a lot of the things he could do as well. <laughs> so Wandale the guy, is the guy out of that group that I'm most interested in. And honestly, he's Ooh. like pretty dang cheap uh considering the investment it's the giants made in insane. him yeah he's like a total it's afterthought insane. in a lot of rookie drafts it's just like fuck i so i put out a tweet and i was just like my i said a 43 percent roster ship of Wandale robinson is too low because it is and i'm disgusted i only have 43 percent. i thought i was at 70 i was so excited and people were like Oh my God, why? Someone's like, he needs to be cheaper. I'm like, he's picked 26 average. What are you expecting yeah. from? Like, I don't even care if you don't like him. But like at a certain point after like 206, 207, when you're like, do I take John Mechie or do I take Wondell Robinson? Like, I'm going to take the guy that had three years and was by far one of the most productive profiles in the fucking class. And I don't give a shit if he's 5'8". If the NFL franchise is willing, and not Gettleman, might I imagine, mm-hmm. a brand new franchise is willing to draft the guy who's 5'8", they clearly think he's talented enough to overcome those issues. And also, I'm going to be willing to bet that it doesn't fucking matter if Elijah Moore and all these other guys who are literally one inch taller, that's an inch, a lot of guys know how much an inch matters, it doesn't <laughs> fucking do that much. Like, God fucking damn it. I, and here's the beautiful thing is Daywolf's probably going to be running this 10 personnel, 11 personnel, so there's going to be a lot of people on the field. You have Kadarius Tony, and we don't know who the fuck what he's going on with. We don't even know if he likes football. I think at this point, it's very reason. It's very reasonable. Like, man, I don't know what to expect out of this guy because where is his head at? And that's been a huge question mark since he came from the draft. Is where is his head at? You got uh, Kenny Galladay, who pretty much spent the entire season injured. So, like, do we get? Are we gonna get sucked into like a post injury hype, or are we gonna like this is actually who he is now, and we're just it, we just gotta make amends with it. And then you get Staring Shepard, who is a 30-year-old coming off an Achilles tear, so he's pretty much D.E.D. in the water. And so you're just left with Bondale Robinson and Darius Slayton, who's literally just a piece of floating debris in the sea. Yeah. It means it, there's zero fantasy impact there. So I'm glad that we're in, we're in lockstep there. Anthony, thank you so much for being here, man. This was a true pleasure. I'm really excited to be able to get you on. I think that we gave the people just enough information to drive them wild while also making a possibly informed decision. So... You can find Anthony on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. Strongly recommend you give him a follow. You can find his inform- his writings 
fantasy. He writes for the Fantasy Pros. He does podcasts and rankings for the Rookie Big Board, and he's also part of the Anthony Ro- or the <laughs> the Devi Royale. Uh, Anthony, is there any pieces of information or any pieces you're about to be dropping coming up here? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of pieces coming at uh, at Fantasy Pros over the next couple of weeks. Uh, some kind of must-have running backs, uh, guys that are getting drafted like wide, re- uh, wide receiver threes that have you know wide receiver one kind of potential or upside. And then uh, plenty of stuff over the next couple of weeks in terms of some videos with the Debbie Royale guys and plenty of podcasts every week, both uh, on the, the Dynasty Drive and then the Dynasty Big Board with Rookie Big Board. So uh, no sleep, just podcasts. It's just we're cranking through it, man. I appreciate you having me hey. out. It's that it's it's the season, baby. Yeah, it's absolutely. the season. They're able to get all the good shit out. Uh, yeah, everyone, thank you so much for being here. You can find me on Twitter at VFF Sandman. My DMs are always open. If you want to talk shit, pop in, do a public. I don't give a shit. I'm here for the smoke. It makes me happy. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, I view my trolls as like my loyal supporters that are here to keep me grounded in case I get too airheaded. So appreciate y'all. Um, and you're giving me views and listens on this podcast. So hi, psych. Uh, as always, it's really important to let your family and loved ones know that they're important and they matter to you. Don't be that dolt that takes everything for granted and wait until you get a massive mix up in your life or a huge, scary incident where you almost lose a loved one to put them in perspective. At the end of the day, your family and people closest to you mean the most to you. And you got to let them know that because it's shit is getting wild. Uh, and you matter too. So do something good for yourself, please. Because again, it's really easy to get caught up in a bunch of shit that is immaterial and, and not matters. What matters is you and your family. So take care of yourself. Take care of your chickens, as Ma Sean would say. And as always, drink some water, go for a walk, have some fun. That's a podcast. Peace.